Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside is uh, LPJ Professional Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Uh, good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, we are, we are the hosts <laughs> of the Women of Golf Show. Uh, I always keep forgetting that part, but uh, I'll get it straight one of these days. I, I think it's my old age. I just had a birthday a few weeks ago and I think it's uh, I got a little bit of that old timers coming on here, but anyways, um, glad you could join us this morning. Uh, as always, Cindy, let me just uh, ramble off here for a moment or two and let the folks uh, remind them where they can uh, tune into the show. Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com and type in "women of golf" up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page. And of course, we're live nine to ten a.m. Eastern uh, uh, Standard Time. And if you uh, look at the uh, the screen on that page front and center you'll see the, the uh, today's program but for some reason if you can't join us uh, during the live broadcast not to worry just go to uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or again just type women of golf in the search key and uh, scroll down to the on demand section and that's where all of the previously aired shows uh, can be listened to in their entirety uh, when it's convenient for you uh, also uh, available at itunes.com as a podcast you can go into the podcast section again type women of golf and that will take you there as well, and you can listen to that. Um, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please uh, reach out during the live broadcast. If you have some questions or comments about the show, you can do so by calling area code 347-945-5855, uh, or you can uh, email Cindy or I uh, when it's convenient for you. Uh, my email is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com, and Cindy's is cindy at cindymillergolf.com. And if you're somebody in the uh, golf industry, whether you're a player, a coach, a teacher professional, or maybe an entrepreneur that has uh, maybe you've written a great uh, golf book or you've uh, got a great product that helps uh, some of those struggling golfers out there improve their game, uh, we would love to hear from you. So you can reach out to Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com and we'll see if we can work you into the uh, upcoming month's schedule. Um, so you've got a great show this morning. We're going to start off with a few questions here to uh, not only for our own benefits, but uh, maybe help some of the golfers out there. And then a little bit later on in the show, in the second half, we're going to be joined by Christina Risi. Uh, she's an LPJ Class A teach professional, and uh, she's also TPI Golf Level 3 certified and a best-selling uh, golf author, written some great uh, books. I know you've had the pleasure of uh, meeting her on occasion, and I've uh, spoken to her a couple of times over the years, but I uh, never actually had her on the show, so we're looking forward to having her on the second half. Um, Cindy, I wanted to start off just with uh, with a couple of questions here, and uh, and again, I think this is something that those folks that are listening out there can take some value away from as well. They're not really what I say tips, but uh, just things that we can do as instructors to maybe help make things a little bit easier. And the first one is um, maybe you can explain a little bit, and then I'll add my two cents in as well. Is some of the value 
that a player can get, and I'm obviously we're talking about amateurs here, uh, from on-course instruction versus being out on the range or the tee? Obviously, both have benefits, but what are some of the on-course instruction values um, over uh, just working with the students on the range? I think learning how to think is huge. Um, how to plan a shot, prepare, and then, you know, produce a shot. I think on-course instruction is great when you know how to hit the golf ball. If right. you don't know how to hit the golf ball and you can't hit the ball where we want you to hit it, then we got to go back to the range. But if you know what you're doing and you can hit the ball reasonably well, I think having a course management lesson on on the physical course would really, really help you. That's just my opinion. Yeah. If you can't really hit it, then you're going to get frustrated because I'm going to say, okay, let's hit your three-wood over here. Well, if you can't do it, you know, now we got to worry about what you're doing when you're swinging. Right. What are your thoughts? I, I think um, I, I agree 100% with everything you said, but I also think, too, um, you're first and foremost, if you can't make a decent contact with the golf ball and, and be able to place it uh, relatively in the general area we'd like you to, then obviously you need to spend more time on the practice tee um, with further instruction there. But um, I, I agree with you. I think um, it, golf is a thinking game more so than a physical game. Um, and I think that you have to understand how to prepare yourself mentally for the shot that, that comes at hand. And also um, – you need to, to experience some real time, you know, it, often, you know, Cindy, I'm sure we've both said this to, to our students, you know, when they're on the practice tee to sort of visualize the shot they want to make. And it's very difficult sometimes on, on some of the practice tees. We can do it because we, we've been doing it a long time, but some of those newer students, they get on the practice tee and they see a bunch of flags out there, maybe some greens and depending on where their, where their facility is. Um, and, or sometimes it's just a flat surface and there's not really a lot of too many targets other than maybe a 150 and a 200, uh, and so on and so forth, uh, uh, sign out there. So it's hard for them to visualize what the ho- a hole might look like. So I think the on-course play or instruction, if they're ready for that, that stage, can be extremely valuable because one of the things that you can do, it's not just a matter of getting on the tee box and, and navigating around the hole. You can also play some balls um, you know, strategically in areas that may pose difficulty for the student um, not impossible, but difficulty to present real-time challenges that they're going to be faced with in a normal round. So I think it, it helps them prepare mentally first and foremost, but also physically um, as they're deciding, okay, how do I handle this shot? What do I need to do? And then actually having to, you know, maybe it's a bu- fairway bunker, stepping into that fairway bunker and executing that shot um, that they've, they've sort of mentally prepared themselves for. And I think that, that information, and I'm sure you would agree, is extremely valuable, Correct. Absolutely. On-course challenges. I mean, so if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is don't just go play golf and keep score, but try different shots. Is that what you mean? Yeah. What I do with a lot of – I'll tell you exactly what I do with my students. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'm a little bit of a sadist, (laughs) a little sadistic mind here or something, but I don't believe in just going around and playing, you know, uh, three or, or six or nine holes with them. Um, you know, and, and just sort of keeping score because they're not really learning anything. All they're doing is they're, they're getting a, a, a short round of golf in. I want them to, to get in there and I want them to experience, uh, you know, any given hole. For instance, um, if there's a par three and it's surrounded by bunkers, 
I don't want them just to, even if they can do it, I don't want them just to hit to the green. So I'll let them have that shot, and we'll get on there and make the putts and that. But I'll also drop a, a ball in one of the greenside bunkers. And depending on their skill level, where they're at, if they're more advanced, then I'll make it a little more difficult. If it's an easier or a less advanced player, then I'll just have a standard bunker shot. But if it's more advanced, I might even, you know, tap it in a little bit into the sand to make it a bit of a buried lie because I want to see how they're going to handle that and, and how they're going to be able to um, formulate that in their mind. And obviously you have to be cognizant depending on where you are uh, of other people on the course. You can't be taking a lot of time on a hole, but uh, I want them to be able to experience it. Or I, I might even put it in a thicker, uh, fluffier, rough lie um, so that they don't have a perfect, you know, a manicured fairway to hit from. I want them to be challenged a little bit um, and see what happens when they hit that shot because it's not going to the, the ball is not going to react the same uh, from a, a fair uh, from a uh, from the rough than it is from a fairway and so I want to see totally how they agree. handle that right and and because what's the point what's the point of just having them go around there hitting shots and keeping score if they're not presented with challenge because when you're not there those challenges inevitably for all of us are going to come up and if they haven't been prepared and pra- I mean you have to practice those types of shots. And I guarantee it, a lot of them, unless you force them to do it, do not practice um, those shots on the practice tee unless they're in an instructional lesson, um, which Cindy brings you know, to the next thing. Uh, and we've talked about this, I'm sure, numerous times before, but I think it's a, a very key uh, issue. And that is the students' expectations uh, of themselves. Are they realistic? Um, sometimes yes, but a lot of times no. What are your thoughts there? I totally agree with you. (laughs) And and I think the more they understand that there will be challenges on the course and they will miss shots, we're trying to prepare them to recover from mistakes. That's my opinion. And and to learn how to deal with the challenges. So knowing that you're not going to hit it perfect mm -hmm. is a real big deal, in my opinion. Yep. It's huge. You know. I mean, yeah. no player, yourself included, I mean, as, as, as good of a player as you are, Cindy, you know yourself. You've faced many challenges out in the golf course, um, some not as difficult, but others very difficult. And you had to mentally, um, just like any other tour pro out there, have to prepare yourself to, to handle and then execute whatever shot you may be faced with. And if you're creating a perfect scenario every time for the student – then what are they really learning? They're learning, okay, great, I can hit it great from the fairway, and I can hit it, you know, make those putts when, I, when I've got a, a close putt on, on, a, on a perfect uh, lie in the green uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the pin's not in a difficult position. Well, yippee, that's fantastic. But what happens to 99% <laughs> of the other time, you know, when you get out there and now, you, you've, you know, you've plugged it into a greenside bunker or you've gotten into, um, you know, two-inch rough uh, or you've, uh, you know, even hit it out of bounds. What happens when you hit it out of bounds? You know, there's a process there as well that has to go through. Um, you know, I, I want them to hit provisionals as well. I want them to get used to doing that in case we can't find their ball or in case it has gone uh, out of bounds and we have to, to make, uh, make adjustments. So I want them to have a, a real course experience and not just create a perfect scenario. And, and that goes to what I was leading into to the, this next question about the uh, expectations of our students. Um, you know, Cindy, I know that some of your students that you've worked with for a long time, you've sort of molded them based on information they've given you as to what they want and the reasons why, number one, of course, why they're there in the first place, 
Um, but you've, you've had a good handle of what their expectations are, and you've been able to help guide them um, into whether or not they're being realistic in their expectations or whether or not they're shooting for the moon and haven't got a hope in, you know what, of ever reaching it. So walk us through that process. What do you try to do with your students to help them, number one, stay grounded, uh, but be realistic? How do you help them find what their uh, expectations should be and what they can be, if that makes sense? <clears throat> well, I think we have to guide them and make them aware that, again, you know, let's say a beginner says, oh, I want to go out and play on the course. Well, that's great, but you might need to use a tee. Oh, well, you don't want me to use a tee on the course. I said, well, you know, so, again, it's it's the instructor knowing what the student needs at the time and the moment and helping them become aware of their abilities or lack of abilities to make it easier to maneuver around the course. I mean, we're all yep. trying to go out to play, and I think right. we're trying to help them think and, again, plan, prepare, and produce a shot in certain right. situations and give them challenges, real-life challenges that they're going to face. I mean, we all know that golf is like the game of life, you know. Right, and right, that, exactly. And, you know, things are going to happen. Don't think it's easy street your whole life. It's not. So the more you become aware of, oh, there might be roadblocks and detours and dead ends, you know, oh, well, now what do I do? And that makes you tougher so that you're able to play better. Yeah, and it, it comes with experience. I mean, you know, none of us, regardless of how young we started in golf, we all had to learn uh, as we went along, and it was through trial and error. And as we had and, and, and this is what I, I guess I'm getting at is my ultimate point is we have to create experiences for the golfer so that when they get into those situations in future, they can say, aha, yeah, okay, I remember this situation or a similar situation, and here's how I handled it. So that, it, you know, they've got that mental Rolodex, if you will, and, and the better uh, tour players out there uh, and, or even the, 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 the lower handicap players – have got a, a wealth of, of experience that they can draw from, just like in any, any aspect of life. You know, when you go out and get a, uh, start a job, um, you know, I don't care how much education you've got, until you actually get out there and start performing the job, you don't really have on-job experience. So it takes time, and as you develop that on-job experience, you start to develop skills and you find ways of doing it more efficiently and so on and so forth, and that's the same thing out in the golf course. And, you know, just to... You raised a very interesting point. My sister Nancy, and Nancy, if you're listening, I'm throwing you under the bus here. Uh, but uh, she was one of these uh, players for a very long time. When she first started playing, she started later in life, not early like me. And um, she would, you know, in the golf course, she would tee it up. And I remember a couple times we were, you know, playing with somebody that she was involved with at the time. And they said, well, wait a minute. No, you can't do that. That's on the, you know, on the, on the tee box. You can do that. And I said, no, no, no. I said, she's not comfortable hitting it off even the fairway right now. So this is helping her um, build some confidence. And over time, she, you know, we weaned her off the tee out in the middle of the fairway. But, uh, and she certainly didn't do that when she was in the rough because it, it sort of held most cases it would sit up a little bit better for her. But, um, but that was just to help give her some confidence and help her feel you know, good about going around the golf course and not making um, sort of that negative mindset uh, build up. And that's something, too, that you know, a lot of players develop. And I know you've said this yourself, that there have been times when those negative demons have creeped in even in your game, correct? 
Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew you I listened, I knew that was a given you you were gonna say that. <laughs> well but, you know, it's the but truth. You, right. I um, mean you, you have gotta you gotta speak the truth because again then you don't trust and and you're not gonna trust yourself. So you have to absolutely definitely speak the truth. Yeah, there there's a there's an expression I heard many many years ago. Um, you know, e- you can either dazzle them with your brilliance or baffle them with your bullshit. And the problem is, unfortunately, <laughs> can I use that? Uh, yes, you certainly can. It's not copywritten as far as I know, so you're welcome to, to, to use that. But it's it's true. I mean, if you think about the analogy between the two, you know, if if you've if you've created a skill set and you have through your own experiences, um, you know, figured out some ways that have worked for you, you can pass that knowledge on to your students. But believe you me, a savvy student, especially this day and age, because with the access of the internet, um, it's very difficult to BS your students. I mean, you can do it for a little bit of time, especially some of the newer ones, but after a while, they're going to catch on. And so, you know, I prefer to, to try and dazzle them. I mean, maybe brilliance isn't the word I would use for myself, but uh, you know, I try to dazzle them a little bit with with what I do know, then try to baffle them with with BS. And and be, because, like you just said, you have to be able to speak the truth. And I, I think that a lot of golfers out there, especially our, our, our high handicap amateurs, if you're listening out here, um, you need to be realistic in your goals. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a long term goal, whatever it may be. Um, I'm, I'm not here to be a, a, a dream killer or, or squash your your, your dreams. But if, you're, if your objection is to, or objective rather, is to play one day on the LPGA or the PGA or even the, the Champions or, or Legends Tour, that's great. But you need to know what kind of a commitment you're going to need in order to reach that goal. And a lot of people just don't understand. Cindy, you can attest to this yourself. How much hard work goes in that these tour players – um, need to do week in, week out, how much of a commitment it is. Tell them just a little bit. Just give them a little snippet of just how much of a commitment that is. You live, eat, sleep, breathe, drink, golf. Yeah. So That's it. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Go on. I mean, it, yeah. it's not like, oh, and, and the funny thing is, is I have some kids who want to think they want to play college golf, and hitting balls once a week ain't going to cut it. You know, right. so it depends on the level. I mean, if you want to go – play D3 or a- NAIA and shoot 100, that's fine. But you want to play D1 golf at a really good school, you got to start knowing that when you're in 6th and 7th and 8th grade. Otherwise, it's too right. late. Right. I-, I think that the other thing, too, is, you know, as, as, a, as a teacher slash coach, um, you know, you have to look at the student's commitment level, just as you pointed out. If they want to play competitive golf, whether it be collegiate or some junior program in preparation for something bigger, if they're not willing to put the time and effort in, uh, as a a college recruiter, you're going to look at that, and like you just pointed out, if somebody's going out to the practice tee once a week, they're not really that interested in playing collegiate golf, despite what may be coming out of their mouth. And you know, they're going to take a look at it. That's why they they, a lot of them will travel around and and, maybe take a look and, and watch 
uh, individuals to see not just how well they're hitting the golf ball. You know, anybody with, with a, a decent swing can hit a pretty decent golf ball, but it's the level of commitment um, and, and, and how much they're willing to challenge themselves that a, a coach is really going to look for because, uh, and also how good of a team player they're going to be. You know, how do they, how do they handle difficult, you know, there's a great uh, thing right there. If, if the students whipping clubs or smacking them up against a rock or a tree every time they hit a bad shot, I don't want them on my team because no. – And that – did that you show, see that um, video on uh, – what do you call it? Facebook? For, there I'm was a, sure. a basketball coach, and it was all about yeah. recruiting and body language. And yeah. a lot of coaches watch your body language, and they also watch how you treat your parents and your teammates. Yes. And if you are a little prima donna with, you know, a lot of drama, mm-hmm. you're not going to get chosen. So, no. And, and you know what? That goes on to to bigger and better things. And as you grow older and how you deal in sure. business, I mean, again, I wrote a Golf 101 for Executives book, and it talks about are you selfish? You know, are you um, – do you have a temper? How do you handle adversity? You know, so that's all of that is shown when you play the game of golf. Yeah, attitude is everything. And obviously there's maturity level. I mean, some people can mature a little faster. And again, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, Let me ask you a question. And I think I might have posed this one before, but, you know, it's okay that somebody new is listening today. So we'll we'll redo this question here. But, um, Cindy, if you had only five minutes, let's say somebody's, uh, you know, flown into Buffalo and they're playing in an event in, in a few days and they've only got time for maybe a five, we'll round it up to a 10 minute lesson. And they want some sort of uh, improvement in their game, uh, some kind of a tip that you can provide them or give to them to help them in that five to 10 minutes uh, that can maybe become a, provide a long-term solution, not just a quick band-aid fix for their upcoming event. Um, what would you do? What would you talk to them about in that uh, I would say I would say hit the ball hit a couple of nine irons yeah and I would watch to see what they're doing it might Mm -hmm. be a setup it might be a swing thought but that's probably all it's going to be a setup change or a swing thought yeah I I agree to make Um, it really simple yeah, I've posed this question before to, to my panel discussions on Thursday night and had some different answers, and, and mine sort of falls in along the lines with you. I mean, first and foremost, I want to see the player hit. You know, if they're hitting decent balls, um, then it may not be a physical part of their game. It could be a mental side, so that may be something you'd want to focus on there, just give them some mental tips or cues that can help them navigate a little bit better, you know, ask them some questions. Um, but if they're struggling and they're not hitting, if they can't hit five shots relatively decent and they're spraying them all over then i know it could be like you said it could be a setup it could be a grip so i'm going to maybe go over very quickly um the fundamentals with them i'm going to check their grip and make sure that they've got a good sound grip Uh, and obviously there can be variances some people have a stronger some people have a weaker grip Um, again depending on their ball flight is going to tell me whether or not they've chosen the right one for their game but um but i'm going to look at their setup i'm going to see how they've lined up to to their target and how they address the ball Where's the ball position? You'd be surprised that sometimes just the ball position alone, um, if it's too far back or too far forward, can open up uh, the shoulders too much to a point where they're now aiming well left of their target and producing that big old slice. Uh, Or conversely, they've got it so far back and they're kind of hunched and close, uh, hovering over the ball. And uh, 
you know, that could create a whole myriad of shots. So I agree with you, Cindy. I think when you've only got a few minutes, you're not going to get into a whole bunch of swing changes or, or theories and things like that. You want to just take a look at what they're working with right now and help them uh, address things a little bit more appropriately so that when they get into that event, they're going to at least have something that they can continue to work on after. And if they're from the area, then I'm going to encourage them to come back for a full lesson and we can diagnose things a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, more in depth at that time. But uh, I'm certainly not going to give them something that's going to monkey or screw up their, their round in, that's coming up in a few days because um, they're definitely not going to want to come back. Um, one final question, Cindy, I thought would be kind of interesting um, before, we, uh, before we continue on. By that time, I think Christina should be with us. Um, if your student, if you had a student and you wanted them to master, now that's a relative term, master one club in the bag, what would it be and why? What club would you want them uh, to really get good at using? Or I'm going to change it a little bit, not necessarily club, but is there a shot that maybe as well that you would like them to have that go-to shot in times of trouble? Is there a club and a, and a shot maybe that you can think of that you would like to get your students to master and why? I would say a half swing with any club. Very good. Uh, and why? Because it's called a fairway finder. And yep. what do you need to do to just bunt it down the fairway? Um, and that's what we need to work on. And if we can get to do that, no matter what happens, when you start to freak out and you can't do what you're doing, you're supposed to be doing, uh, and you're having issues, we can definitely help. And that'll help right. to know what you're doing. Right, exactly. I'm going to pick an obvious uh, club. That would be the putter. And the reason why is, is obviously we use uh, our putter more than any other club really in the bag. Um, I would want them to work on that because the problem is most golfers, especially male golfers, let's be honest, are at the opposite end of the spectrum. They're hitting their driver all the time. They're, you know, they're not really focusing on um, what's going to happen when they get on the green and they get faced with a 20 or 25 foot putt or even a 50 foot lag putt and they don't know what to do. They've never, you know, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, they've never experienced that enough. They haven't practiced it and they just get up there willy-nilly and, and tap the thing. So I would want them to become very proficient because even if they don't get to the green until three shots, if they can become very proficient with their putter, they're going to increase the number of, of opportunities of making that putt. Whereas if they don't practice much or they don't become proficient with their putter, you can get on the green in two and three putt or four putt. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's why, but, but I agree. I think a combination of what you said and what I said, I think would be great. I agree with that. Yeah. So if there well. were two things, I totally agree with you. I, definitely, you know, half swings and learn to putt and you, you're going to lower your score by a mile. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Cindy, we've, we've seen this many, many times before with a lot of uh, golfers, you know, they get out there um, and, and they're, they get on the practice tee. They, they don't practice with any sort of purpose. I, I agree with you. I would rather see a student that can maybe only hit 100 to 150 yards, but hit it straight and down the middle each and every time than try to bomb you know, what they think they're going to get a 300-yard drive, which is just not going to happen for most amateurs. Very few amateurs can even come close to that, uh, and it'd be all over the golf course. 
Um, because unless they've got a stellar short game that can recover, like a, like Tiger Woods or or some of these young up-and-comers on the LPGA Tour or even some of the legends that have had phenomenal short games, they're just not going to score well. And they wonder why they're not breaking 100. So I would say I would do both what Cindy and I just suggested. I would get on that putting green and I would spend a much greater time working on your putts. And then I would take every club in the bag and I would work on half shots. Go through you know, with your wedges and go through with your, your 9, 8, and 7 and even your six and five irons, and just take half shots um, just to, to get the feel of connecting with the ball and getting that shot out straight down the fairway, um, which, brings me to, which brings me to another uh, thing that we need to talk about real quick before uh, we bring Christina on, and that is your Learn to Hit It kit, which does exactly what we just talked about. So go ahead. It does, doesn't it? So yes, I created the Learn to Hit a Kit, and what it is is a – and, you know, I haven't said this, but you can buy the course separately. The course just by itself is forty nine ninety nine. Um, so if you're looking just for the course, email me at cindy at cindymillergolf.com if you don't need the mat. So the Learn to Hit a Kit comes with a portable mat, a foam, Callaway golf balls that you can hit anywhere, the Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, and a 10-module online course to teach you how to hit a clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. The whole kit itself is $99.99, and the course by itself is $49.99. So there's no more excuses. You can learn to hit it straight, clean, airborne, and straight on purpose anywhere. Fantastic. And, you know, Cindy, um, I, I think that the for, for 99 as you've mentioned so many, many times, for basically the cost – on, on average of a golf lesson, they can get literally a, a, a plethora of information uh, through this learn to hit it kit that you're providing. And, um, you know, it's invaluable. And the great thing about it is they can use it over and over and over again. And it's compact enough that, um, you know, if they're going maybe on a vacation somewhere and they're planning on playing golf, they can do a lot of this stuff in their hotel room. Um, you know, they can watch the information on the, uh, the video portions of it, uh, and because the, they've got some uh, foam balls, if I'm not mistaken, or plastic balls, uh, yeah, they yeah, can, foam. you know, exactly, they can work on some of this stuff uh, without having to worry about taking out a window or, or shattering a lamp or, or something like that. So there's no excuse. And, you know, it, it goes to the point that we talked about earlier, Cindy, that if you're going to become better at this game, just like any other aspect in life, you have to be willing to invest some time. If you're just going to go out once in a blue moon um, and, and you know, hit some balls or maybe play once a year, uh, but have an expectation, as we touched on earlier, uh, of being the next you know, Annika Sorenstam uh, or you know, Rory McIlroy, uh, it, it's not going to happen. You know? So anyways, that was my, my final thought there. All right, we've got a very special guest joining us now, uh, Christina Risi. She is an LPJ Class A uh, teaching professional. She's uh, TPI Golf Level 3 certified and also a best-selling golf author. Let me tell you just a little bit about her background, and then we'll bring her on uh, the show, Cindy, and she can join us for some uh, great conversation. Uh, Christina took up the game actually back in 2000 and quickly dropped from a five handicap uh, to where she is now in literally just five short years. 
Uh, her passion and commitment to the game shifted her career from her own marketing and branding company into the publishing world where she launched her first book, uh, A Girl's Encore Survival Guide to Golf, and with three other additional books that have followed uh, since then, uh, all very, very good reads. Uh, she has helped grow and promote the game of golf to women in her very unique way since 2008, branding herself as one of the top promoters of women's golf. Uh, Christina has established a brand that communicates the game, which began with her own personal story, her unique presentation of strong visuals, non-technical language, and a splash of humor uh, keeps women engaged and getting more pars, which we're all about that. Uh, more than 100,000 women are enjoying more pars through her books, game improvement products, golf schools, and clinics, and her four books, books are sold at golf mass retailers across the country, including Dick's Sporting Goods, PJ Tour Superstores, uh, Golf Galaxies, and many, many more. So, Cindy, without further uh, hesitation, let's bring on our very special guest this morning, Christina Risi. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations on your Learn to Hit It kit. That sounds incredible. Well, thanks. It was lots of fun to do. Congratulations on all your stuff. Tell us, how did you go from terrible to good in five years? Well, first got to move to a warm climate. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I lived in Florida, and I was able to play year-round. And at the time, I was working for myself. I had my own company, so I was able to go out on the golf course during the day and work at night. And I took lessons, a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons. When I started out, I was twice a week. And I would practice. That's the key. you got to practice. If you don't practice, then you're not going to improve. <laughs> you're, oh, you're, preach- yeah, you're preaching the to the truth. choir, Christina. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> How are you, Ted? Um, I'm doing very well, Christina. Um, it's been a long time since we've communicated, but i um, glad to have you on the show. Let me ask you something. Let me just point out one very quick thing. I know that um, uh, you have worked with uh, Barry Goldstein, who's a good friend of mine. He's been a guest on my show, Golf Talk Live, many, many times uh, down in South Florida. I know you've done some video work over the years uh, as well with him. Um, but, and, you're familiar with, yeah, and you're familiar with his daughter, uh, Carly Ray, of course, who now plays, uh, oh. I think this yeah, in her final year at LSU. Um, you've worked with a lot of different people, and you've had the pleasure of working with a lot of great women as well over the years. Um, just maybe touch on a little bit, because you, you, you brought it up about practice, how crucial it is that people get out there and practice, but practice more importantly with a purpose. Well, I'll give you an example when I was learning the game. I don't know where this came from, and maybe you guys can help me, but when I was learning the game, I had that mentality that if I hit a bazillion balls, that I'll yeah. improve. <laughs> and it's just, it's not the case. You need to, A, you got to play the game. And B, when you're learning something, you have to take your time and create a process. There is no such thing as muscle memory. Our muscles cannot hold the learning patterns, it comes from our brain. And people right. think if they bang a bazillion balls, they're going to get better. That's not the case. So we need to educate the students Sorry, that I the learning process, the learn. The, are you not agreeing with me, Cindy? Totally agreeing <laughs> huh? with you. Huh? All right, good. Totally agreeing with you, darling. <laughs> yeah, I love you. Okay, so yes. So we just we need to teach them a process. And understand that, you know what, you don't have to go out for two hours and, and grab four buckets and hit them all. Instead, go out for a half an hour, make it really efficient. In fact, when I go out, I practice on the course now. 
I rarely mm-hmm. go to the range unless I'm working on something very technical. And if I'm doing something technical, it's a half a bucket, maybe a bucket, and then I'm off doing golf, learning how to hit a right. shot, the process of hitting the shot, doing my routine each and every time so that when I go out to the golf course from the range, I'm transferring. That's the other thing. People don't, don't know how to transfer. Oh, I was hitting it so great on the range, but then they go out on the course yep. and they, they're like, what happened? That's because you're not teaching yourself a process. Golf is a process, and it's our job as educators to show them how. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's exactly right. You know, and, 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 Christine, it raises a point that we, we talked about a little bit earlier on the first segment, um, you know, about, you know, on course, the value of on course instruction. Um, you know, it's great if, if they get out there and they play a, a few holes, but if they're pl- just playing them and, and, as Cindy pointed out, keeping score, they're not really learning anything. And I, as one of the things I like to do is I like to create scenarios um, that they may be faced with so that they're learning from that experience um, so that the next time they f- get faced with that challenge, um, they're going to have a better understanding of being able to transfer that knowledge uh, into that particular um you know, time on the range. And again, it goes back to practicing with a purpose. And then, as you said, transferring it. Um, what do you try to do to challenge your students um, during some of the lessons? What, what do you do when you get them out on, on a golf course? How do you challenge them? I always ask them, what do, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do? And some of them are like, I don't know. I just want to hit the ball. <laughs> well, you have to have a plan. You know, where's your landing spot? That's the number one thing I see. They don't they have to struggle with a landing spot and focusing on that landing spot, whether it's on the tee, whether you're off the green and chipping onto the green, you need to have a landing spot. And it keeps you focused on the target. You know, we're so focused on hitting the ball that we forget about the target, and that's the most important part. So if we put all our energies toward the target, we're going to have much more success. And that's what we got to teach, and that's what I teach when I'm out on the course. Right. Cindy, let me ask you, I want to ask a question, uh, obviously, to both, but, um, but Cindy, I want you to chime in and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think the difference between our amateurs and our, our tour players, as an example, is this. When a tour peer, a player steps up on a tee, they're, as, as uh, Christina just pointed out, they're looking at their target. They're not focusing on the trouble over here on the left side of the fairway or the right side of the fairway or that stream that's, that's crossing over the middle. They're looking and they're focusing on their target area, as, as uh, Christina just pointed out. The amateur is in reverse. They're not focusing on the, the target area. They're focusing on all the trouble. So they're looking at the whole picture instead of just where they want the ball to land um, on that shot. Is that pretty accurate, do you think? Well, I think it depends on the amateur, but... Yeah, and I think you can teach that to people. Um, We have a program we do, and we have a picture of a green that's kind of like the 17th at TPC, and there's water surrounding it, and there's a bunker, and, you know, we put the slide up on the screen and say, okay, what do you see? And, And it's funny because Alan and I see the fat part of the green, you know, and most of the amateurs see the water like oh boy here we go right so they (laughs) focus on where they don't want it to go so i think that comes from and and i'm going to argue with christina just a little bit because Uh (laughs) i if i think about the target myself i don't produce the shot personally 
So I think about where I want the ball to go, and I visualize the shot I want to hit. And then when I get up to swing, I let my right brain feel what I want to do with the club. If I think about the target when I'm over the ball and trying to put it close to the hole, I can't swing and I lock up. I I would love not to do that, but I can't help it. That's just because I'm a control freak maniac. But I have to focus on the task at hand myself. That's interesting. Then it goes. Yeah, I just, yeah, I absolutely can't think target. But, But I agree that people see the trouble because they don't believe they know how to play the shot. And that's why, you know, when Christina says, what are you, what are you going to do here? What's your plan? And they go, Oh, you know, because they don't know. And that's where we really have to help them and guide them. Right. Well said. Um, what about a player like that, Christina, you know, a player like Cindy, uh, obviously she's, she's got tremendous talent in that and, and has found a way that works for her, but obviously there are other players out there and other amateurs um, particularly that maybe fall into that same scenario. Do you work with what they have uh, or do you try to make changes? What, what would your strategy be if, if you had one to, to get them to do more focusing on the target or do you leave it alone and do as Cindy has done? If I see that a player is really struggling with that, I will work with a player. There's no cookie cutter here. You know, I work with right. the individual student. What is their needs? You know, do they prefer? How do they like to learn? And then I focus on that. It's all about them. It's not about me and my philosophy. I want them to get more pars, and I'm going to do that in any way I can. So if one way doesn't work, I'm going to try another way. That way doesn't work, I'm going to try another way until they get it. I'll never forget a student right. at a golf school said to me, you know, as a group, they said, what we really loved about your school is you never gave up on us. If we didn't get it, you kept going, and you kept going until we got it. And they said, we really appreciated that. Because, you know, you gotta, some, it's, that's teaching. If someone doesn't understand something, the way you're communicating it, you've got to communicate it a different way because everyone learns differently. That's just the way it is in life with any learning. So it's patience right. for it- us as teachers, and it's patience for the students to learn. Right. I think, you know, and, and this goes to a question that Cindy and I were, were discussing a little bit earlier, too, is, is about the expectations of students. I think sometimes their expectations, uh, as well-founded as they might be, are not always realistic. Um, you know, little Johnny wants to or little Sally wants to, you know, be the next uh, LPGA uh, star or PGA star, um, but they only want to show up on, on the practice tee once, once a week. Um, you know, you don't want to, as I put earlier, you don't want to squash dreams, but at the same time, you need to put things in perspective. So do you do, um, Christina, do you have sort of uh, an initial assessment when working with new students um, as to find out why they're there in the first place uh, and then sort of build your, your lesson plans around that? That's an excellent question. And I, I'm a big, big fan of goals. Um, so, yes, actually this year I'm implementing a sit-down. <laughs> The first session is going to all be about goals. Everyone's going to get a sheet that they're going to take home. We're all going to sit in a circle, and we're going to share our goals. Because if we don't have goals, then we're not going to achieve. Goals keep us focused and on track. So, yes, goals are going to be a well big said. part of my clinics this season. Big. Um, what, what about from, from a standpoint, though, of, of finding out, from the students up front, 
what their reasoning for being there. Not just, the, I mean, obviously their goals are extremely important, but um, you know, some players they don't care. They don't want to be the next uh, great player. They just want to go out there and have fun, but they want to be able to do it. You know, you, you had talked about here in one of the notes that we had about you know uh, attending clinics and or lessons that some are, can be a little bit fearful of, of doing that because they maybe don't want to look bad or um, you know they think that it's going to derail their, their game that they currently have. Um, how do you overcome that? How do you, you know, assure them that they need to have this, you know, be given this information in order to be able to move forward and, and sort of retrain their brain, if you will, into thinking positively, but also producing uh, better golf shots as opposed to just in that repetitive pattern of doing the same mistakes again and again, which we know is um, often said that when you, when you do the same thing, get the same result, uh, and it's bad, uh, that's sort of the definition of insanity. So what, what do you do to sort of help your students, um, you know, retrain themselves? What are some steps that, that you try to take with them? Well, we have a conversation. You know, once I understand what their goals are, Christina, you know what? I, I don't want to be the next tonic. I don't want to be single digits. I just want to get the ball airborne. I want to have fun. I want to play in that, in that league without embarrassing myself. Okay. So I will focus on, and I will share with them, what do you think of this game plan? Why don't we focus on your setups, making sure that you have a process with each shot, and get you out there. You know, a lot of mistakes happen before they even take the club back. So if we just focus on setup, we focus on target, and we keep it real simple, real simple for those players. One thing, one thing, maybe two, tied into the routine. But if you overload them, they're out. They're going to check out. So I keep it real simple, but I have a conversation. It's all about the conversation, getting to know what that student wants and then create a game plan around that. Cindy, you, yeah, and well said. Cindy, you've, you've um, said that many times yourself, that really the understanding of the whys and, and engaging your students in conversation, um, you know, even before you start the instructions, just to get an idea of where they're at, what their, you know, future goals are, um, and, and just opening that dialogue, maybe explain a little bit again just for the listeners as well, uh, adding to what Christina just said, the importance of that. I think people, it, the bad thing about golf is it's a patient sport, and the good thing about golf is it's a participation sport. What I mean <laughs> by that is that, you know, if you're, how many women are hitting balls on the driving range? Two or three women go out to hit balls after work. Um, no teacher. Some guy walks up and says, you know, you're bending your left elbow. And it's like, you know what? I didn't ask your opinion. So I call those people the committee, you know, the committee of they. And, and the committee always wants to share their opinion. And then I think that gives people an expectation of, well, I should do this. And, and then they come in for a lesson, they go, oh, my God, I just want to hit an airborne down the middle of the fairway each time. And But they're trying to hit the ball, and they don't know how to swing. And they're not play, paying attention to what Christina says is their process, or you say your process. And, and so you've got to know what you're doing here now, the task at hand, not the future of where the ball's going. So they don't pay attention to what they're doing. They're looking for something future. So we have to sit them down, which 
you know, I do as well. I'm like, okay, let's discuss this. And we almost have to share with them how they're thinking too far ahead rather than "Mm, let's back this up, let's back this up. You know, what makes the face be straight? Your face is not even square at a dress, so how are we going to hit it straight? You know, so we have to make them aware without browbeating them, if you will, and just say, you know, let me just share this with you. Let me show you. And then they go, oh, I didn't know that, you know, because of the committee. You know, you're looking up. Well, you're looking up because you're keeping your arms straight, you know, and your arms pulling you out of position. So, again, but they don't know that because they think they got to keep their arms straight and their head down. So we just have to share our wisdom with them and help them. That's right. Yeah, I I just want to add something real quick, just a, a very quick, very little story, and then we'll get right back to it. Um, I remember being at the, uh, a range uh, a couple of years ago, and there was a young lady that came up, and she had just set her clubs down. She hadn't even hit a golf shot. And a gentleman walked up, and right away he was going into the lesson. I think it was, he was probably flirting with her, but you know he was trying to teach her. She hadn't even hit a golf shot yet, and he was already trying to give her advice on what she needed to do. And it, funny enough, it turned out she was actually – um, the daughter of the club pro and had been playing since she was, you know, knee high to a grasshopper and actually hit the, <laughs> hit the, ball, better, hit the ball, ball better than he could. But it was just hilarious how, you know, he, you know, like you said, the committee of they, Cindy, um, Christy, I want to give you an opportunity here in the last little bit of the, the segment here to talk about your books. Um, you've got several of them now, but talk about, you know, why particularly your first book resonated so well with with um, many out there why why did it just sort of hit home with a lot of people i think a lot of it was the personal story you know i started later in life i didn't start when i was two i wish i had but i didn't and i was able to um become a pretty good player in a short amount of time and regardless of whether or not a player wants to it just gives them motivation and i think the the packaging of the book the portability of it the pink, believe it or not, um, is approachable and fun. I got a lot of slack on the, the title using the word girls, but I did it because right. it made the book more approachable. And then the content sure. itself. You know, women really like the yes, no, the do, don't, step one, two, three. It's all visual, cover to cover, tea to green. Every page is visual. Photographs, and then you can just, it lays flat when you're at the course. So it's functional. It's functional. And I think that's what resonates. And they get results. Yeah, it, it's it, 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 it's yeah, it's definitely a great book, and and you know I, I like it because it is. I, I've seen it. I don't have one, but I've I've seen uh, some snippets and that online um, over the years, and and it is a very well put together book. And you great job by the way. And I know you you followed up with okay. with some other books. Um, tell us the the follow up books. What are they about? Um, and and then I'm going to let you. Uh, share with the audience for those that don't have a copy where they can go to get a copy of your books. Thank you. The yellow book, which I call like the, the sister book to the pink, is the the next step. So it dives deeper. You know, it's I would say it's more for the for the more exper- experienced player. Um, the green book is marketed to men and women. Um, that actually came out before the yellow book. And that dives into uh, a lot of course management. It has three amazing pros, guy pros. Barry's one of them, Kevin Sprecker, and Mark Spencer. Um, So that one is a lot of course management. It has a 
great mental quiz section in the beginning. You know, it's to help you take your game to the next level on a more strategy course management. And it also has, you know, the tough shots and all that, just like the other books. Um, and then the fourth one is an actual journal. It's a really cool golf journal. So it's for those players that really want to track their stats, they can track mm-hmm. basic, advanced, they can log notes, their lessons, practice, goals. That's the journal. And they can get all those at, you know, the PGA Tour Superstores, the mass retailers, or they can go online to golfsurvivalguide.com. Perfect. Awesome. Very good. Great Very job. good. What's next Thank you. for Christina? What's, What's next, next is grow the game. I just signed on as a ambassador for Fit America. I believe there's a huge gap of game awareness in this world to non-golfers. And I think presenting the game as fun, this game is awesome, you are missing out Mm -hmm. if you are not playing, and it's healthy. I think with the right messaging, we can get non-golfers into this game. I mean, this, this is fun for the whole family, and you can get exercise. Join us. So I'm going to work on a, creating a campaign message that goes after that and really attracts the, the non-golfers. You know, the 37 million that are thinking about getting into the game. They're out there. We need to get them. So that's right. what's that's what yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. You know, we, we've all you – know, we've all – try to find ways you know last week Cindy and I had uh, 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 two individuals on from uh, Chris Hart and uh, I think it was Leah Schwartz um, from Next Gen Golf which is uh, short for Next Generation Uh, and they're you know doing their efforts as well to to grow the game and and trying to go after that that the millennials particularly um, that has been for some, a tough nut to crack, if you will, for a lot of professionals out there because there are so many other distractions in life um, and not everybody has four hours or, or more uh, to commit to, to playing a round of golf. So, you know, obviously there's been other things invented, if you will, to try and shorten that and, and you know, other ways of getting people involved in golf. But I think the first and foremost, and Christine, you touched on this very early on in the conversation uh, about not overwhelming students. And I think that with all of the technology and all of the, um, you know, the wonderful things that have come into the golf industry, I think there has been a, uh, one of the dangers has been that maybe some students have become a little bit overwhelmed with that technology um, and mm-hmm. overwhelmed with, with the, the instruction. So we need to simplify things, I think, a little bit more. But I think we need to get that message out there first and foremost that uh, golf can be fun. It's a fun game. It's challenging, okay. of course, but it's fun. Um, and I think the family is, uh, in my opinion, should be the number one target, not individuals, but the family. Get the family involved um, as a, a nucleus, if you will, of golf. And I think that, you know, if mom comes out to play, you know, or the kids want to come out and play, mom's going to follow. And, you know, if the family goes on vacation, there's many opportunities that they can play golf as a family, even if it's just, you know, a nine hole executive course somewhere, um, you know, if they're not ready to, to get out there on, on the big links, but uh, great work, Christina. I've uh, watched you over the years and I know that you've worked with Barry and, and um, he, he's a great guy and brings a lot to the game as well, but um, we appreciate sure you coming on. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on this morning. Me. Thank you. Not Thank a, you. Not so a problem. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> 
we appreciate it. Keep doing the great work, and uh, feel free to come back anytime. We'd love to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have, All a, right, great have a great day. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was our very special guest, uh, Christina Ricci. Um, great young lady. As I said, I, I've not had the pleasure of meeting her personally, but I've followed her over the years and, and uh, know of a lot of the great work that she's been doing and uh, just has a lot of, you know, a great inspirational story. There's, there's proof right there that somebody that started playing this game uh, much later than some in life, but yet rose to the challenge to go out there, Cindy, and just, you know, give it her all and, and work and commit. And here she is. She's teaching golf now. She's not just playing. She's teaching uh, and written four uh, great books um, to help others Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Um, it just goes to show that if you really commit and fall in love with the process and the challenge, which she did, and she's really helping a lot of people learn to play and enjoy the game. It, it, exactly. And, you know, we're we're all doing that in our own way, and I think collectively as a group, I think we're, we're you know, moving that needle further and further down. But uh, – Still lots more great work to do, and we're going to keep doing that here every Tuesday morning uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. But we've got just a moment or two left, Cindy. I'm going to give you another opportunity here to just go ahead and plug the Learn to Hit It kit, do that one more time uh, in case those that uh, tune in a bit late um, and missed it the first time. Go ahead. Well, again, for those of you who need to learn to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose, the Learn to Hit It kit might be the thing for you. It comes with a portable mat, foam, golf balls, that you can hit inside your house, my Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, and best of all, a 10-module online course that visually teaches you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. If you're interested in purchasing it, you go to learntohititkit.com, and it's $99.99. If you only want the golf, uh, the course, you can purchase that for forty nine ninety nine, and you can find me at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, or you can purchase the kit at LearnToHitItKit.com. Well said. Great way to end the show. Um, just remember, folks, that we're here every Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern um, on BlogTalkRadio.com network. Uh, best way to find us, go to that network, type in Women of Golf, or go to iTunes.com and under the podcast section, Again, type in Women of Golf, and you can listen to us uh, live every Tuesday uh, here on the Women of Golf show from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with uh, another great guest, and uh, we will continue to help you with your game. And and go to learntohititkit.com and and get yourself uh, a copy of uh, really what I consider to be a a great product. Cindy is uh, one of the premier uh, golf instructors in the United States, in my opinion. I'm not just saying that because she's a – uh, a great person as well, but um, she is a is literally a, a workhorse uh, in this industry and does so many great things and is um, just a, just a, a great uh, ambassador, in my opinion, of, of golf in general. So thank you, Cindy, for all you uh, do. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to the Women of Golf show this morning. We appreciate your time, and we hope you'll come back and join us. And, and feel free to reach out and communicate with us uh, however you want to, but... Uh, Two great raises, uh, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, or my email is Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until then, God bless everybody. Have a great week. And Cindy, as always, thank you for all that you do. And we'll see you right here next week on the Women's Golf. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You too.